You're listening to Autumn on the Air, the weekly podcast that brings you conversations about the impact of research commercialization and the people who make it happen. Join us for interviews with patent and licensing professionals, innovators, entrepreneurs, and tech transfer leaders on the issues and trends that matter most. Keep listening for an inside track on the people, IP policies, and politics changing our world. Welcome to Autumn on the Air. Today, we're joined by Dr. Alfred Tang, the Deputy Director of the Technology Transfer Office at the University of Hong Kong. With a career spanning over 13 years as the head of the Knowledge Transfer Office at Hong Kong Baptist University, Alfred has played a pivotal role in facilitating the successful commercialization of numerous technologies, resulting in substantial revenue generation for the university. He also serves as a deputy managing director and a board member of Versatech Limited, where he collaborates with industry partners and startups to bridge the gap between academia and industry. Alfred possesses a wealth of knowledge and expertise in knowledge management, technology transfer, and intellectual property law. With a bachelor's degree in engineering and computer systems with first-class honors, a PhD in electrical and electronic engineering, and a master's degree in IP law, he brings a unique blend of technical and legal acumen to the table. Welcome, Alfred. I'm so excited to have you here on the air. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, I'm really excited to have you here, Alfred, and we have a lot to talk about when it comes to tech transfer in Hong Kong. So I want to go ahead and dive right in. Now, as the Deputy Director of Tech Transfer Office at the University of Hong Kong and someone who's been in tech transfer for over 12 years, can you share some insights into the pivotal role that tech transfer plays in fostering innovation on an international scale? Well, yes. Thank you so much for the question, Lisa. Um, Looking back in my career uh, in Hong Kong and in the tech transfer uh, area, I can see, especially because I've been working from the perspective of the university tech transfer, I can see that uh, technology transfer is a mean to not just fostering innovation locally or facilitating the tech transfer you know, between uh, university and industry, but also on the global scale is also a pathway to connect opportunities. Uh, for example, just, just to give you one simple example, um, we have done project where to, to allow uh, technology from other elsewhere, from elsewhere in the world to potentially even enter or, or, or um, being tried in the, in the China market, for example. The tech transfer uh, from universities in Hong Kong actually plays a role to be a bridge, to be a bridge where you can do um, clinical trials, you can do collaborations, you can do localizations. So again, I always look at tech transfer as a bridge to bridging uh, both the world and the local industry and also bridging the university and the, you know, the industry as, as a whole. And I think that's a really good segue to my next question because Hong Kong's really been rapidly evolving as a global innovation and technology hub. So from your vantage point, what are some of the unique advantages or strengths that Hong Kong offers in terms of tech transfer? Well, there, there are many. Thank you for the question, Lisa. There are many advantages that Hong Kong is unique and, and, and can offer to the world. Uh, let, me, let me 
explain this in a very concrete way in three examples. Let's start with a simple example, which again, is away from my previous uh, uh, you know, uh, answer. Hong Kong is a Western society uh, in a Chinese country, uh, Asian context. Let me elaborate that further. We actually adopt a Western system. Example, our healthcare. Our, our hospital healthcare is a Western medicine healthcare system. In the same time, um, there are at least two hospitals in Hong Kong, both big teaching hospital, uh, public hospitals. One is the one that my institution, the University of Hong Kong is associated with, is the Queen Mary Hospital. That hospital is the clinical trial center for NMPA, which is the FDA of China, for doing clinical trials. So you can imagine, for multinational companies that are in, in drug development, that want to get NMPA certification, they have two options. One, they can do a clinical trial in China under the Chinese medical system, or they can do a clinical trial in Hong Kong, which in many ways are much, much more familiar and aligned with the Western medical system. And then they can, using the clinical trial in Hong Kong, enter the Chinese market. So already, because of the established Western system in Hong Kong, you have an easy pathway into the Chinese market. So there is one, one example. Another good example is the advantage of Hong Kong is our one country, two legal system foundation. In Hong Kong, we have the Hong Kong basic law, which have its grounding in the common law. So in terms of protection of intellectual property and so on and so forth, you have a similar, if not equivalent protection as in the Western system. And as an IP uh, professional, let me give you one example. The concept of passing off, which is a common law concept, is actually accepted as part of the law in the basic law in Hong Kong. So, you know, for those uh, industry that want to actually establish into the China market, Hong Kong give them the first step while grounded on the common law system that they're familiar with. Okay, so that's the, the second advantage I, I, I can share. Well, the final advantage is in our East, Midwest culture and language. Now I know, you know, China is very international and I know that, uh, you know, a lot of companies move into, you know, uh, big cities, you know, capital cities like you know, Beijing, big cities like Shanghai. But as a Chinese myself, I can truly say when you're in China, it's predominantly Chinese. Yes, you have a Western community aspect and so on. In terms of the mix of the culture between the East and the West, I believe that Hong Kong still have a, a great advantage. And the use of English is Hong Kong in Hong Kong is much more prevalent. So thinking, thinking along this line, if you're going to move your, your, your industry base into China, now it's not just your company, it's not just your CEO, your CTO, your key personnel, it's also their family. So I always, I always have this uh, mindset that one way American has been a magnet of talent around the world is because it's a society where 
English is the norm and people from all around the world, you know, do for the, for the Western education system, they speak English. You know, they, they, can, they can come into America and, and, and be assimilated quite easily. The same notion, Hong Kong provide that opportunity for, you know, multinationals, non-Chinese expert to, to come into the society and immediately from day one, be part of this East Midwest uh, environment. So that's how I look at it. I think those three advantages, uh, I, I hardly can see uh, anywhere else in any major cities in China. Yeah, those are some great advantages and some great strengths that Hong Kong has to offer. And kind of along those same lines, I wanted to ask about collaboration between academia, industry and government, because it provides or plays a crucial role in driving successful technology transfer so could you shed a light on some of the collaborative efforts and partnerships that are fostered in Hong Kong to facilitate effective tech transfer? Oh, definitely. Thank you so much, Lisa. Well, I, I can see very much the Hong Kong government and also the Chinese government are very proactive in encouraging, fostering, nurturing the collaboration between academia, industry and government. Let me give you... Um, Again, let's start with three simple examples. Number one, two of the major incubation uh, base for startup in Hong Kong is our Hong Kong Science and Technology Park and our Cyberport. Now, both of them actually are uh, government-backed initiative. They, they are government, they're pseudo-government agency where it's the government that invests in the infrastructure the building of um, you know, the, the tech environment where, again, technology, uh, you know, innovation from academia can be nurtured, can be incubated into startups, in the tech park, in the cyber port, so that, again, industry can benefit. So, again, the government play a pivotal role. Uh, another example, which is a very recent uh, development among many others, uh, another example is that the Hong Kong government, the, the latest uh, chief executive, Mr. John Lee, actually have announced a lot of uh, support for uh, supporting, promoting, actually uh, encouraging uh, tech transfer and, and, and innovation in Hong Kong and to actually create a lot of uh, success opportunity between academia, industry and government. One example is that... Um, a project we, they call Race Plus, R-A-I-S-E Plus, the sign plus, which is a Hong Kong dollar, a 10 billion fund. Wow. We support at least 100 project, deep tech project from the university, each project funded to a tune of 100 million wow. Hong Kong dollar yeah. from the government. These are, these are grant money. These are not equity, not loan. These are grant money to attract a corresponding you know, 100 million from the industry to bring technology from academia to commercialize within a span of five years. So it's a very um, purposeful, very focused initiative from the government to not just provide, as I say, facilities, uh, environment, ecosystem, but also resources to bring the tech from academia to industry with direct resources and money from the government. Finally, I can bring in another um, example. This is more, you know, in my daily work. Um, 
part of the initiative from the Hong Kong government, again, to attract uh, not just talent, but multinationals, strategic enterprises into Hong Kong, so that they can leverage our ecosystem, our resources um, to do more business. All right. Especially, I think uh, China being the you know second biggest economy, the huge you know market in China and Asia. Uh, there's a new office actually that we've been dealing with. Is the office is called Office for Attracting Strategic Enterprise Oasis. Now, Oasis is tasked by the government to attract strategic multinational to come into Hong Kong and to work with the local industry, to work with the local institution like, like where I am, the University of Hong Kong, okay, to actually move the R&D base here, to, to actually uh, invest in, in, in technology, and also to tap into the Chinese market. Now, on the personal level, all right, we have a lot of good projects, and we're also looking for collaborators uh, using our network, but now the government has such an office where we can also assess and, and, and through their network to connect to, again, multinational uh, companies that possibly could be a perfect fit to our technology. So you can see the, the government not only, uh, again, going through my three examples just now, not only providing the ecosystem, not only providing money and resources to promote innovation and tech transfer, but also creating government offices, agency to actively you know, make the connection, make, make, make the, the introduction and, and attract enterprise from globally to come to Hong Kong to actually invest in and to, to, uh, to work with, you know, the, the technology, the innovation uh, locally. Right? So, so you can see there is a lot of, a lot of uh, excitement, a lot of work being done right now. There's a lot of activity going on and it's incredible the, you know, not only the amount of money that the government is actually putting in, like you said, to get these inventions beyond the valley of death, but get them out and, you know, um, translate them out and, and make an impact and create this ecosystem. And it also has these government offices to make these um, connections globally. So, uh, you know, as we've been talking, you know, international collaboration is the key to, to innovation. And it seems like the Hong Kong government recognizes that, you know, are there other um, tech transfer, international tech transfer partnerships and initiatives that are taking place there in Hong Kong that you can talk a little bit about? Uh, yes, I well, maybe not just in Hong Kong, I can share some experience on on international tech transfer collaborations that we work on before. I mean, again, not just myself, my peers, my counterpart uh, at different institutions in Hong Kong, uh, we do similar work. Uh, one good example is this. Um, again, I think, uh, you know, we have just came out from, you know, the, the, the lockdown or pandemic, you know, for the last, you know, three years, two and a half years. Um, one, one example I can share is this at least from the tax transfer office in, at the university in, in, in Hong Kong, we are not just um, working as transferring technology or, or, or being a bridge between the university and industry or the, the ecosystem or international, but we are also linking the different initiatives in tax transfer around the world. Um, uh, the, the example I want to share is, in my many years doing tax transfer in Hong Kong, one of the best, among many, many great partners I work with, one of the best ones is actually uh, another agency in the uh, Singapore government. 
under uh, in the Singapore government, uh, uh, under the Economic Development Board, there's a unit called IPI, the IP Initiative. And the IPI is actually a great partner of us is because, especially I, I, I can remember during the times of pandemic, where they themselves, their, their, their mission, their role is to connect technology with the end user, with the industry, especially, of course, serving the Hong Kong, you know, serving the Singapore SME and so on. But they went beyond that. They went beyond that. They connect basically you know, some of the solutions that we have in Hong Kong with potential end users around the world. But in the same time, we leverage on that relationship, meaning when they have technology from their other you know, collaborators, when they have needs from their other industries, and we as their trusted partners throughout the years, and they want to enter into China, especially during pandemic where people can't travel. So we became like a de facto agent. When I say agent, not so much, you know, this is pro bono, okay? But agent as in, it's very hard to make new deals, new relationship in the pandemic lockdown. But it's so much easier when you are you are introduced by somebody they know. So so I think that is one good example I want to share how how you know tax transfer in Hong Kong, how in my experience that we've been working with our counterpart partners around the world. The example I gave is in Singapore, where we we become the friends of friends. All right, so they're into technology. They're looking for a China collaborator. We might know some collaborator might be interested in technology. We just play a middle middle person role, and 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 our role is effective because we know the industry in China. They trust us. They do not know the technology in Singapore. All right, but the provider of technology in Singapore knows IPI. They trust them, and IPI and us have a strong trust. So that way we can still make deals happening. All right, even though the, the, the two end, end counterpart does not know each other that well or, or have never had a chance to meet because of pandemic. Uh, so I'm, I'm seeing that is um, an extension of what tech transfer can do you know, beyond just making deals for our own institution. So Alfred, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and I know you have a master's degree in IP law and intellectual property is a critical aspect of tech transfer. So from your experience, how does Hong Kong approach intellectual property rights and their effective management in the context of tech transfer? Well, first of all, I'm 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 pleased to share that um in the recent years and when I say recent years this is about you know you know 3 to 5 years um, around that time uh, hong kong have established our own original filing okay previously we only have a recordal system meaning that we we register and record filings in either in uk and then in china but now we have an original filing so with the original filing actually it offers um additional flexibility for, for uh, inventors in Hong Kong, for, for innovators, for uh, universities, or, or create, creator of IP in Hong Kong to actually have a more convenient way to protect the IP. And when I say protect the IP, that, that can mean many forms. Number one, uh, if Hong Kong is the market where it should be, then it's a logical protection. But even when Hong Kong is not the ultimate market, Having a local original filing system allows you to have strategy that you can leverage 
time, cost versus effectiveness. Let me give a simple example. Of course, when you have an original filing in your local jurisdiction, it's always the cheapest way to go because you don't have to have foreign filing fees, you don't have to work with foreign attorneys, you know, there's, there's no that additional cost. But Hong Kong is also part of the global IP, you know, harmonization. So we're part of PCT, we're part of TRIPS and so on. Meaning when you have an invention and you want to get an early filing date, you can file in Hong Kong first. And, and, and use the, the, the localization, the, 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 the more economical access to, 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 to getting your priority date as a strategy to actually build your portfolio or to leapfrog to your destination. So, so again, um, there's one way where you know, Hong Kong, even though it's a, it's a small uh, city, if it has its own, and that, that goes back to one of the uniqueness I mentioned just now because we have a different legal system. We are, we are actually a different legal jurisdiction compared to China. So again, then we can have you know, that flexibility that allow us to actually um, uh, protect in Hong Kong first and then you know, think you know, further. So a question about that filing in Hong Kong, what language is that filing in? Can it be in English? It's filing in English. Exactly. And, and this goes back to, to, to you know, uh, the other uh, two examples I mentioned, one of the unique advantage of Hong Kong that give to the world is that, yes, you, 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 the legal language in Hong Kong is uh, English and Chinese. So even in the court of law, uh, everything is done in English. Of course, you you know there is the jurisdiction. You can you can choose also you know uh, um, to to prosecute in, in Chinese, but majority and English is is um, is a common you know uh, understood you know practicing language and the legal language in in Hong Kong. So again, that that offer the advantage you know even for for a foreign jurisdiction that that wants to you know file in file in Hong Kong first you know before uh, uh, again leveraging the filing to go into China. Hong Kong gives you that distinct advantage because it's all English. Yeah, definitely. That That's a great idea. Thank you. So I want to switch gears a little bit again, Alfred, and ask you about the startup ecosystem because they're often seen as catalysts for tech transfer and innovation. Can you tell us what the startup landscape looks like in Hong Kong, particularly in relation to tech transfer? Well, I can say the the, the startup ecosystem in Hong Kong is very vibrant. I mean, if you look at the statistics that uh, in the past um, 10, 15 years, we pretty much grew from um, none to, you know, we have a, 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 a double digit amount of uh, unicorn actually uh, uh, wow. uh, created in double Hong Kong. Double digit? All right. That's impressive. Yes, yes. I don't have the exact number off my head now, but I can, I, 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 I do know uh, within a short span of, you know, 10 odd years, the Hong Kong government, uh, with with the support of the Chinese uh, government, actually uh, are very uh, uh, proactive in in fostering um, the the entrepreneurial the innovation ecosystem in Hong Kong, the startup ecosystem. And and one more thing about Hong Kong is not Hong Kong itself, but what Hong Kong can tap into. Um, there are two things. There 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 there, there are two 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 areas I want to share. Number one. Hong Kong is a part of the Greater Bay Area. 
of China. Okay, so so it's not just Hong Kong where you can protect your IP, where you can uh, deal in the English language, the access to you know top uh, research institution, top universities, top talents, but also you can market uh, immediately uh, into into Greater Bay Area China, which is you know Guangdong, you know the all the cities, which is um, a huge population. You know, uh, we're talking about. I don't have the number off, off the top of my head, but um, I, I, I'm quite sure not far away from like, you know, 70 million people, okay, uh, you know, in this region. And, and there are a lot of special uh, policies, special arrangements that uh, give preferences for businesses in Hong Kong, whether those are foreign businesses or startup, actually go, go into Greater Bay Area, okay? And there is only one. Number two is, the rest of China, you know, especially Hong Kong now is, uh, of course, you know, uh, the pandemic uh, have a, have a temporary stop to that because of the quarantine of, of the, the lockdown on the border. But other than that, uh, you know, the, the, the infrastructure uh, that connect Hong Kong to the Greater Bay Area is mind boggling. I mean, um, I still remember when I first arrived in Hong Kong more than 20 odd years ago, Okay, there are only uh, the, 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 the train, cross-border train, and then the buses or the ferry you can go into China. And even any one of them, you're talking about, you know, at least half an, more than half an hour before, you know, you can get from central, uh, you know, CBD in Hong Kong into, into even Sanjian. But now the high-speed rail, 11 minutes. Wow, 11 minutes. Uh, in, 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 in the CBD in Hong Kong. and the next stop is Sanjian. You're already in, in there, all right? As people have told me, they, they, they can actually run uh, their operation, you know, their, their, their headquarters in Hong Kong, their manufacturing quarters in Sanjian, and in one day, they can go through and for multiple times for meeting and still be, at, be at, you know, uh, uh, on time to go home after, after the end That's of the amazing. day. That's amazing. That's right? incredible. So, yeah, it's, it's, the infrastructure is there, the network is, is, is really, really, uh, you know, fluid. And the important thing is this, at the end of the day, startup, innovation, industry, it's about market. It's about business. And you have a tap into, you know, 70 million, you know, uh, people, population, uh, which is, you know, majority of uh, middle class. This is huge. That's absolutely huge. So, Alfred, education and talent development are vital for sustained growth in tech transfer how does Hong Kong prioritize education and talent development in this field? And are there any specific initiatives or programs that are in place that our listeners who may be involved in similar endeavors might be able to learn from or maybe even replicate? That's a very interesting question. Uh, the reason is that um, despite all this growth that we are seeing, and I, I can speak from my experience, the, you know, the 13 years I've been doing tax transfer in Hong Kong, uh, there, I, I cannot point to a particular, you know, a purposeful education or talent development uh, tailored to develop talent in tech transfer in Hong Kong. I have to say that openly, okay? Uh, having said that, there are a few things that I can share. Number one, I can see, I'm seeing more and more adoption uh, in the professional practicing tech transfer in Hong Kong, actually going for education from the likes of autumn, Okay, I see a lot of my counterpart getting their RTTP destination. Okay, 
I, I also because I was part of the organizer that actually uh, invited uh, AutoMasia, uh, I think uh, many years back to, 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 to have a conference here in Hong Kong, um, I can see there is a lot of uh, need, a lot of attraction for those uh, education, either from, okay, autumn is more stateside, and then you have uh, access, uh, um, 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 uh, the one in UK, the one in Europe. Um, so, so I can see a lot of that. But in Hong Kong, um, not purposeful tailor-made. And at the same time, I can say that because I've been doing this for, for, for 13 years, I see a lot of the tax transfer office actually, in a way, is, is an educator. You know, people that come into the tax transfer office may be coming from different fields, but again, working in the tax transfer office become also a development uh, ground for them to, 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 um, to develop their skills, their, their, their knowledge set in, in doing tax transfer. And a lot of my colleagues, uh, in, in current or, or previous institution, actually move on to be very successful, uh, to have a very successful career in tech transfer, again, within Hong Kong and elsewhere. So Alfred, as technology continues to advance at a rapid pace, how does Hong Kong's tech transfer ecosystem adapt to emerging trends and technologies? And what are some of the forward-looking strategies or initiatives that are being implemented to ensure that tech transfer remains relevant and valuable in the ever-changing landscape of innovation? Well, thank, once again, thank you, Lisa, for the question. I, I can see a few things. Um, I think in our you know, brief discussion uh, you know, in this session, we talk about you know, what the government is doing and how, how the initiative from the government, the ecosystem, and so on. But I can see also um, the innovation uh, landscape in Hong Kong actually is adapting to the emerging trends and, and changes in technology around the world. A good example is, uh, you know, ChatGPT. Okay, I think I think uh, the development in AI, the development in uh, new new uh, new material, development in new energy, with the 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 you know um, the emergence and growing demand for electrical vehicles. Now all that. It's not, it's not a, a localized problem anywhere. You know, it's, it's, it's actually a global opportunity. So again, Hong Kong in itself, uh, I'm seeing a lot of startup, I'm seeing a lot of um, uh, innovations exactly in this area, in, 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 in adoption of AI for, for different um, uh, either global or, or regional uh, issues. Um, uh, let me give you an example. I actually recently been uh, evaluating, looking at some inventions, some innovation research using AI to solve uh, very difficult medical problems, like how to diagnose Alzheimer, how to, uh, you know, because a lot of, a lot of those uh, medical issues are much more challenging, not just because they're more prevalent today, but also because by the time uh, it's obvious, it's sometimes it's too late. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think Alzheimer is a good example of that. Another another example is in new materials, you know, new new energy. You might think that Hong Kong being such a such a small city um, might not have a huge population uh, that you know have have access to you know the, the need for, for new energy and so on. And and that may be true, but having said that, we have a lot of really brilliant researchers, scientists, professors at the UC, and they are working on new materials, you know, new, new energies, 
uh, we, uh, let me give examples. Again, this is from, from our UCs. We have professors that are working on um, a new steel, we call super steel. There is a much more, uh, you know, uh, 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 dense, uh, much stronger than the traditional steel. So essentially, you can you can you can develop a chassis for for electrical vehicle with much less steel, much lighter, and yet much stronger than what the current technology can do. Okay. Now again, how? I can say we don't have a car manufacturer in Hong Kong. <laughs> so how, <laughs> exactly. how, how does that technology relate to the changing trend, uh, the technologies around the world? Well, because there is a need for EVs. There's a need for you know lighter, safer vehicles, faster vehicles around the world. This kind of technology is in demand. Okay? So so again, I, I'm, I'm seeing that a lot of the research now are very much uh, in tune with the emerging needs. And uh, one final thing, Hong Kong is one of the well-known financial center around the world. Okay, I mean, you know, we all know that. Again, that creates a lot of opportunities because the use of blockchain, again, the use of AI, the use of a lot of this, you know, e-payment, um, uh, all these are innovations that, again, because Hong Kong have, have that history have that uh, uh, knowledge and ecosystem that rich in, in, in finance, then it's also uh, an obvious uh, place where all this uh, fintech technology can be adopted, can be trialed, and can be deployed. So, so you can see, uh, even though we, we, are, we are just a, a city, um, you know, with a population of uh, around, uh, about 8 million people, um, in the same time, a lot of our invention are, are, are influence are driven by the rapid change in emerging trends and technology around the world. Well, given that, Alfred, I'm really curious in your opinion and all the experience that you have, what do you think are some of the key challenges and opportunities faced by universities when it comes to global tech transfer? And how do you think these challenges can be effectively addressed to maximize the impact of tech transfer on a global scale? Well, I, 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 Look at your questions from two perspectives. One, uh, globalization. Another, in terms of you know challenges for for universities, you know how to how to do you know global tech transfer. I would say it goes back to a few important things. Number one, um, just as an example, I mentioned just now, we might have a technology that have a global adoption. Having said that the obvious, the easier, the more likely adoption will be regional, if not local. Because again, um, we do not know what we do not know. And global enterprise uh, is very hard for them to access or to evaluate things that are far away. Okay, so, so how, to, how to actually um, short circuit it, how to build, how to, how to actually do better in that uh, perspective, I would say building networks, building relationship with again collaborators, uh, not just industry but also other tech transfer operation. Like I mentioned just now, the example of IPI, okay? Uh, because at the end of the day, when we talk about tech transfer, we talk about doing business. At the end of the day, it's just human to human relationship, okay? Uh, as an IP as an IP uh, attorney, I, I can surely say is this. A pattern is just a right. A pattern on itself 
essentially a patent can worth nothing because a patent does not make the technology. A patent does not make the product. You need the people behind that to actually develop the, the product, the, the professor to develop the product from the lab to, you know, to, 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 to the factory floor and to a product in the, in the, in the consumer shelf, right? So all these technologies, all this innovation boils down to human. And the best way to do global tech transfer effectively is to actually have a global network of people that you can work together, uh, that you trust, uh, that you have an easier exchange of information and, and, and knowledge. And of course, once that is done, there's a lot more work to be done in terms of streamlining the, the legal, you know, the, the other things. But those, those are, to me, those are secondary because without the human interaction, nothing, nothing works. I couldn't agree more. And one of the things I've found with the tech transfer community is they're extremely collaborative and that people from it doesn't matter if you're in one country or global, um, you're talking global tech transfer offices, people will work together to get the technology out and make an impact. And it sounds like that's been very much your experience as well. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Uh, because um, as, as I say, you know, technology on its own, you know, no matter how great it is, does not does not carry itself. Definitely not. Alfred, given all your experience, what advice would you give to fellow tech transfer professionals who are eager to enhance international collaborations and strengthen their institution's global impact in the field of tech transfer? Well, um, I would boil every down to one word, relationship. Why do I say that? Well, again, you know, I could be biased because I, I spent, you know, a, a majority of my career, my working life as a tech transfer professional from a higher education you know, sector, from the university, you know, reaching out to the industry. So from that perspective, I always say to my colleague and friends that what look at, look at, let's look at the, 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 the acronym that, the, you know, we are a tech transfer office. So tech transfer start with the, the first word is the technology. Or some people you know, have a knowledge transfer, they start with knowledge. Who does that belong to? It does not belong to me, okay? It belongs to the creator, the inventor, the innovator, and in the context of university, the professors. Now, we all know professors anywhere in the world, whether in Asia or in Europe or in, in, in America. Universities, the DNA of universities actually are for research, discovery of new knowledge, and also to transfer that knowledge in terms of education, all right? That is the, 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 the number one DNA of universities. Universities are not built to commercialize their IP. They, their main income is not in tech transfer. You know, I mean, I'd be very blunt about it, okay? Yes, they would like to see the impact of their invention, their research to benefit society. That's true, that's true. But you can talk to any professors, it's still publish or perish, <laughs> getting tenure, uh, if you do not have good publication, you do not have good research, getting tenure will be very, very difficult, even though you have great, you know, startup companies, right? So that being said, and going back to my, my simple understanding of tech transfer, if the technology does not belong to you, and if the technology belongs to the, to the inventor and the professor, and their number one KPI, and by the way, the professor are super smart. They got multiple PhD, that's why they're professors. If a, a, a very smart person 
No, the KPI of their tenure does not link with tech transfer. It's not something that they must do. Right? If there's if this is something that they do not need to do, but they still want to do it, why? That means you create value for them. You build a relationship. And this is why I brought everything down to building a good relationship with your inventor. And finally, when the likes of me are working in universities, I can only serve the professors in my university. I can't go and serve somebody else. So it's more so more important for me to build a relationship. Because at the end of the day, their success is my success. Absolutely. And I think, Alfred, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times you've got 13 years experience in tech transfer. So um, you've shared some of what you've learned about being in the profession. But as the podcast comes to the close, um, can you share some additional thoughts that you might have? Uh, Yes. I'm a firm believer in doing the right thing while doing things right. And and what do I mean by that? A lot of times we look at, you know, I mean, I, I, let me share it with, with a story of many, many stories, but just one quick story from my tax transfer experience. When I go, when I, when I, when a professor approached me, all right, to file the IP, to do the tax transfer, to do a spin-off, the first thing I, 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 the first thing I always ask, and this is crucial for me, what do you want to get out of it? What is your value for you? What can I do to help you? What do you want to get out of it? Because ultimately, I'm trying to find what value can I add for a professor. So do the right thing for their benefit while doing things right. What do I mean doing things right? While making sure everything I do to help them and they are doing to, to, to further their tax transfer is within the rules and regulation and within the policy. So we don't, look, if you're doing anything wrong or you take any shortcut, it will not be a right thing because in the long run, they will get you know a, a bad outcome out of that. So it's our duty to number one, look at the person and see what can I do to help you? What value can I give you? And in the same time, how can I do it professionally so that you know we do it right? So so I always focus on the people and I and I always I always look at tax transfer as a mean to add value to others and to help. Well, finally, I think, uh, Lisa, I think uh, it's fair to say, none of us are getting out of this life alive. And if we can, in a little way, add value or, 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 or make something better or, or help someone and, and change the scenario from, from good to better or to best, while we, are, we can, why not? Why not? Absolutely. Very well said. And thank you, Alfred, so much for sharing your expertise and providing for us some really valuable insights into tech transfer in Hong Kong. This has been an absolute pleasure, and I've thoroughly enjoyed having you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Autumn on the Air with Lisa Mueller. Get social with us and share your thoughts. You can tweet us at AUTM or visit us online at AUTM.net. We'll be back next week on the air. Be sure to join us. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer 
and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.